Hi, and welcome to Book for Lunch, interviews with the world's leading business book authors and thinkers. I'm Susie Daphnis of the Australian Business Women's Network. My guest today is Chris Brogan of Human Business Works, a popular social media expert, business advisor, and the author of the book Google Plus for Business. In this interview, which was recorded a few weeks before the book's release in Australia, we look at this hottest new social network and reveal why Google Plus offers business opportunities that are unavailable on other networks. Chris Brogan provides reasons for you to grab those opportunities now before your competitors do. Enjoy this episode of Book for Lunch. This book is so new that it's still actually in its final stages, so I feel very privileged to have Chris join us from the US to talk about um, not only the newest social network, but one that seems to be evolving day by day. The book takes a look at Google Plus for Business, and um, in Chris's style, as I'm sure you're, for those of you who are being introduced to him for the first time today, it's very practical, it's very big picture and strategic. It... Um, gives you all the details to make this work for you in your business and guidelines that have worked for him and some of the case studies he's used in the book. We want to look today is how to, at how to take advantage of what's happening with Google+, how to see some return on the investment of our time and energy, and to look at why the book cover says how it's changing everything. Why especially for those of us who are already on some of the other networks, why this is an important one for us to consider. Our guest, as I said, is Chris Brogan. He is the founder of Human Business Works. Um, this is not his first book. He is the best-selling author of a book called Trust Agents. We're going to talk about that book a little later on in the hour. And he consults and speaks professionally with Fortune 100 and 500 companies. He's been in this area for 11 years, which is a long time in the area of social media and related technologies. I had the pleasure of seeing Chris speak um, at the South by Southwest Festival in Austin. I also follow his blog and recommend that you do too, a lot of people do, and it is in the top five of the Advertising Age Power 150. It was in a blog post of Chris's that I first heard that he was writing this book. And so um, I took the opportunity, um, some of you will remember we had Guy Kawasaki talking about enchantment with us a few weeks ago, and he mentioned um, Google Plus and how he personally was starting to use it a lot, um, and it was Guy Kawasaki who made the introduction to Chris and helped make today possible. So what I enjoy, as I said about Chris, is how practical he makes information, and that is obviously appreciated by many, many people who follow him on these social networks. Let's um, bring Chris on. Chris, do we have you there? I'm hopefully here alive and well. <laughs> it sounds like you're alive and we hope you're very well as well. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm thrilled. Thanks for having me on the Australian Business Women's Network and uh, for letting me uh, be a nerd and talk about this thing that I think is great. <laughs> All right. Well, tell us then um, how this particular book came about. Well, you know, it's the strangest thing. I, I had something in mind. I... When Google Plus first opened up to a few people in limited field trial uh, back in July, I thought, wow, this really could be the thing. And my opinion was that I really ought to get in there and spend a lot of time and really work at it and, and try to get ahead of the curve in understanding how it could be useful for business people, uh, marketers mostly, but everybody in business. And in so doing, I started writing a bunch of different blog posts and connecting up um, 
some of my experiences and my ideas on Google Plus. And a friend of mine who I had met recently because she had published a few other friends' books uh, said, oh, you should make this a book. And I said, well, I actually just got a book deal. I don't really need another one right now. And she said, oh, no, really do it. And, of course, I'm a dummy. So I said, sure. <laughs> and uh, so now there's a book. And, you know, it's really tricky. I'll tell you, this will be the third book I've written, and then my fourth one comes out not too, you know, it, it comes out at the middle of next year, but it's due in the next 30 days. And wow. um, I can say that this is the hardest one I've written because uh, it's such a new technology that everything changed since I got the first draft of it written. So I have to go back in and rewrite the book before I hand it in. <laughs> get it out at some point because it's probably one of those things that yeah by the time it hits the shelves you know even more changes have been made um, one of the questions that I know many of those listening will have is we've taken so much time to learn to use Twitter and or Facebook and or LinkedIn and we may have even had a stab at blogging so why now Chris should we be considering yet another social network why is Google Plus the next big thing it's quite interesting the level of social media fatigue people seem to be reporting when they heard about Google+. I'm not sure that I've seen this level before, and, I, and I've been at this for a little over a decade, and I, I find it interesting that just suddenly we all decided to put our feet down and say, oh, you know, this isn't, I can't do this anymore. Um, but, but that's not really how the world works, and we really, we can't stop now. I mean, are any of us, <clears throat> excuse me, are any of us connected up on a certain chat room in AOL right now? <clears throat> Should I add you to my MySpace, you know, top eight friends? Are you rocking the StarTAC phone? I mean, things just move on. And unfortunately, uh, I would say that the reason why this is going to be appealing to people, even though they just figured out their Facebook, they just figured out their Twitter, um, Business-wise, there's a lot of good reasons. One is that this, this service is indexed by the number one search engine in the world, Google, and it's quite integrated by the number two search engine in the world, YouTube. So there's just a real lot of opportunity to use this for, for business in some really interesting ways. For example, <clears throat> Google indexes things that are posted to the public uh, from your profile very quickly inside of this Google Plus so that if you're writing about your business, Google sees it very fast. Google does not index Facebook right now. So the work you do inside of Facebook only stays inside of that ecosystem. Same with Twitter. So that's kind of the, that's the nerdy answer. The, the less nerdy answer is that this is a very clean ecosystem, that the, the technology is a little cleaner to use than things like Facebook, and it's a little bit more in-depth than things like Twitter. While we're talking, I'm watching photos and videos and whatnot stream by my screen, and every single one of them sort of makes me want to take a, a little deeper look, which is not the way it looks in text in 140 characters. So there's, there's pluses and minuses to everything, you know, no pun intended, but I'd say that there's just a lot of good stuff going on here that's worth taking a look at. And we're going to look at some of that integration later and also that... Um, how it relates to search uh, because I think as you said that's definitely one of the differences and I actually thought I wasn't aware personally that the Facebook content and Twitter content wasn't being indexed so but that and it, that's a huge difference um, you believe according to your book uh, and to your actions but just based on my um, very distant view of what you do that um, 
relationship-minded business is more valuable than transactional business. But when we're looking to a tool like Google Plus to grow our business and to create sales, why is this approach of relationships your suggestion? So it's my take that what we're trying to do with social media tools in general, if we're not using them like you know bloodthirsty salespeople, is that we're <laughs> trying to cultivate visibility and earn some leverage. And when I say that, I mean, for example, Susie Cheel is listening in, and she's somebody that I've met a few different times at a couple of different events, but we don't get to see each other too often. So by creating interesting content on social networks, places like Google+, I could stay in Susie's mind. Uh, I can connect with folks like Belinda and, and have a conversation, have some sort of relationship between sales, before sales, and, and not necessarily directly to those people for sales. So for example, if, if I'm looking for people in the writing world that can help me with more copy projects and whatnot, perhaps you know, Belinda comes top of mind, so I connect her to a deal that I have. These sorts of opportunities come about because of social networks. Before this, we really only did business with those people with whom we were geographically connected. So I, I think there's, there's this great opportunity to build relationship-minded business here because I think that you can get to know the people uh, in and around their business, you know, instead of just connecting to what they've talked about, you know, uh, in a business side, you can learn what other kinds of things uh, matter to the person and what other kinds of things will, will keep their attention. Mm, one of the things that we'll talk about a little later on, and I, don't let me think yet, is, you know, the way that we use uh, Facebook, um, even if we're using a Facebook page, um, and yet how we're seeing people use Google Plus is a little bit different. Uh, there's more of a blend of personal and business, but, but I'll come on back to that. I want to talk about the business ecosystem and as we look to integrate Google Plus into our workflow, what are some of the opportunities that are there for us to integrate this into the other things that we're doing online? <clears throat> Excuse me, thank you. So there's a lot of great opportunities. Uh, you can use Google Plus for internal business. I would say that I wouldn't necessarily share something absolutely you know, death-defying. You know, if I were, I wasn't, I wouldn't necessarily put company software code on it or something like that. But what I would do is, you could use it for collaboration uh, by uh, the, the way you group people in Google Plus. If you haven't seen it yet is you, you, you put people into what are called circles. So you can add you know, your, your 10 business colleagues inside the company or outside to this circle. And then when you share information specifically to that circle, it, it doesn't go out to the public. It just goes within that group. So suddenly you've got that uh, going for you as far as a collaboration goes. There's live instant video that you could share with circles uh, or the public called Hangout which allows you to do video collaboration very similar. Uh, you have a, a great opportunity to use that uh, functionality to do all kinds of things, including work on a shared document, work on a shared whiteboard. I, I've seen educators using it now for tutoring purposes. So there's that. Um, because you could share video and photos and location data, there's a lot of stuff you could do, say, for example, going on site visits, uh, reporting on the status of certain uh, other parts of the business if you're doing remotely distributed business. I mean, for example, your sponsor go to meeting uh, serves the mobile and distributed workforce. 
these tools kind of help augment some of that as well and, and play in some of the same space. I would say that another benefit uh, to having these tools and sort of where they fit into the ecosystem is anywhere that you want uh, some sort of real-time collaboration without that sort of back-and-forth reply-all, fill-your-inbox sort of email experience because this allows you to keep things grouped into circles. And if you think about that, that means that you could do a uh, a better job of sort of keeping data going to the people it needs to go to and not just everybody in a pile. We're going to look at a graphic of uh, circles a little later on um, so that those who perhaps um, aren't familiar with the environment look at that and we may even have a closer look by going online. Um, but you mentioned huddles and just this morning I noticed and was kind of surprised that Michael Dell uh, was having a huddle with nine people. So he was live um, with I know I don't know if these are Dell employees or not, um, but what what do you think was going on there? So I've written about Michael quite a bit. Michael Dell uh, is the CEO of Dell Computer Corporation, and he spends a lot of time using the live hangout feature uh, to connect with just any old person. Um, sometimes I'm sure he does it for business purposes, but those we wouldn't see because they'd be shared with only his Dell colleagues. Uh, but for example, when he has news uh, he wants to talk about. So there's a new Dell XPS laptop. So he's been doing live uh, video hangouts and sort of showing off the laptop to people there. One day I showed up and uh, I didn't get into the hangout, but you never do. It, it's, it's, it's sort of like a really fast cue for a great concert. You'll never get in. <laughs> you just want to. Um, and the, the people involved, the very next person after Michael Dell showed up was um, Sergey Brin, the co-founder of Google. So now imagine you're the other seven or so people in that hangout. You are with the CEO and founder of Dell Computer and Sergey Brin, a co-founder of Google. I pretty much faint. I'm pretty sure That's no fantastic. person on the Hangout could have gotten a straight sentence out. So, That's fantastic. And, I, I mean, I think it's really cool that he's doing that. I mean, he is, you know, a prominent business figure talking to nine people. It's, it's phenomenal. Well, and, and think one more time, too. This is the CEO of a major technology company. Uh, you may or may not worry that sometimes CEOs don't do their own tweets or don't do their Facebook updates or whatnot, and plenty of them do not. But Michael Dell can't quite fake being the guy sitting there at his desk. So uh, you get real unfettered access to the CEO of a big corporation. And he's not the only one. He's just, a, he's just quite a visible one who's doing it quite often. With over 40 million users already, I, it's, it's interesting that it's not really just technologists and not just tech companies using Google+. There's a lot of folks to do. Um, there's a lot of folks in here who are... Uh, farmers, truck drivers, and all kinds of non-tech businesses. Um, just a little Australianism aside joke for us Aussies. On the Hangout here, there's a person called Kim Beasley. Now, Kim Beasley is a politician who tried for the very top position in office and failed here. And I have a feeling that's probably not the same Kim Beasley here with Michael Dell, but you never know. I just That just kind of jumped out at me. So, excuse me. <laughs> Um, a day in the life of, now we just talked about a day in the life of Michael Dell of how he might be using it, but in this chapter in the book you give us a number of case studies of business people who are using uh, Google Plus well and you talk about um, serve, serving suggestions. I thought this was a wonderful way to talk about recommendations as if it were a, a recipe of opportunities. Um, could you give us some idea of a what a typical day could be for perhaps a sales executive. Sure, and 
bear in mind I'm not looking at that chapter, so it might look a little different when you pick up the book. But I will say that the, um, my thoughts on what a sales executive can do here, for one, is that if you circle some of your prospects, you can see what's going on in their life ahead of time so that when it's time to make your sales call, you'll know what the opportunity is. You know, for example, I'm looking at um, Matt Cutts from Google himself. He's he's uh, one of the czars of spam. So, for example, if I um, if I see what he's just talking about right now, he says, through a variety of wacky circumstances, I'm in the market for a new credit card. I'm probably looking for something that just gives max cash back with a high credit limit. And uh, you know, he's looking for advice on that. Well, if Matt was somebody that I was calling on for you know a client. I'm going to presume that when he's asking this, you know, he's had an interesting day. Perhaps he's lost his wallet, whatnot. I wouldn't think to bother him on this day. Um, so these tools sort of allow you to be mind readers. Another thing a sales executive can do is post interesting content that helps warm somebody up and, and instruct them on the way to a sale. So, for example, if you're Michael Dell and you're showing off the XPS laptop, if I'm a salesperson who's doing some calls on laptops and things like that, you know, perhaps I'm a Dell representative who's uh, doing business-to-business -business type sales, I would reference that material. I'd also shoot a, a few YouTube videos maybe with the product managers who created it. I might do some uh, live hangouts to do Q&A sorts of things. And then I would just filter that all together to build an opportunity to just push further onto sales. To me, there's a lot of opportunities to create good and useful content that would allow people to uh, interact with your products and services ahead of the sale. And then that allows you to do a little better effort to close the sale. One of the great things about this chapter is that the examples, for those of you listening, go into product-based services, um, service-based businesses, um, you know, solopreneurs. So there's lots of examples of what a typical day may be as far as your use of Google+, and just some very clear um, guidelines that could just form an outline of, okay, I'm just going to try this system for a few days and see how I go. So highly recommend not only the book but that chapter. One of the parts of Google Plus um, that seems to me to be the it was such a you know sort of slap on the forehead moment when I was reading this bit is that unlike your profile in other networks, the Google Plus profile has a lot more options and can really serve an individual far better than the profiles on other networks. Why is that? The profile, for example, inside of Google Plus allows you to uh, give a really colorful introduction as to who you are. It allows people to understand your employment history at a glance if you so choose to fill that out. It allows you to uh, map out places where you live, places where you work uh, to give that. And then it allows to add things like links. And of course, because of uh, the what other things are integrated, there's sections for photos and videos and the like which of course allows you to put in more information about your products or services. So if the videos section weren't just um, interesting videos of cats and dogs, then what your opportunity can be instead would be videos of your offerings, your welcome message, that sort of thing. And there's, there's a lot more opportunity there. It, it, it seems like all of the other social networks have some of these service opportunities, but just not as many uh, of them to me. So I think there's just a lot more opportunity to uh, build out a profile that helps people understand how you'd intend to do business with them and that right. makes it uh, you know, a better opportunity.
And I guess, um, and we'll talk more about search, is the fact that that profile, Google's going to find that profile when people are looking for you. Uh, that's correct. The, the profiles are already being indexed inside of Google. So you can, um, you can start to see people's Google Plus profiles when you go to plain old Google search, and they actually rank fairly high. So it's, Google is already starting to show some favoritism to results that are showing up inside of Google Plus. And of mm. course, Google being the number 10 out of 10 page rank ranks possibly in, you know, sometimes higher than your own name. So you have to watch that as a, you know, part of this as well as you really have to consider feeding both sides of the story. We talked about circles, you mentioned circles a little earlier, and um, for those who are new to Google+, um, circles is the way that you organize people into groups, and they're people that you are following or want to connect with, but you can segregate people in a really easy way. Now this is, I have a very small Google+, network uh, at this stage, but I, um, I don't know if you can read what's on the screen, but I have, you know, friends and then family, acquaintances who I'm following, ABN, which is Australian Business Women's Network, then I have what I call business muses, and these are people who are business minds who I like um, to hear from. So I'd love to hear um, some tips um, from you, Chris, on circles and how to organize that information. But also if you could talk to us about inbound and outbound circles. That's not a Google Plus term. That, to me, I think is a Chris Brogan term. Yeah, term. it was something that was being bandied around at the early um, the early experience of this sort of thing. I would say that, um, so with circle organization, um, you know what, what, what might be okay is, would this be an okay time to switch over and share my screen? Sure, absolutely. Just give us a second. So what we're going to do is we're going to, um, you're going to go back to waiting room very, very quickly on your screen, and then we're going to switch to Chris's computer. So do, give us a second while we do that. Show my screen. Show main screen. Cool. So that should show up in just a second. Here we go. Okay, we can see that now. You can, okay. Grand. Oh, I guess I'm flying blind. Normally I thought I had a bit of a monitor that would let me see it, but that's okay. With circles, the, the opportunity, this is how you can organize the people that you follow. I have no idea what the resolution is on your screen right now, but I named my circles kind of funny things just for my own entertainment. So I have five people in a circle called close. I have 41 people in a circle called keepers. I have some Buddhist friends. That's pretty, that's just Buddhists. Um, and then <laughs> business people, uh, you know, for example, from uh, reasonably big size companies, I call bacon filters. There is no reason in the world to call them bacon filters. It doesn't mean anything. The word filch sort of means steel, bacon of food. It has nothing to do with anything, but that's where I put business people. But when I talk about this and when I talk about circling and things like that, what's important is making use of circles is the best way to organize information as it's coming in. It's the best way to decide if sometimes you don't want to see certain content. It's also a great way to make sure that you could share content out in a, in a thoughtful way as well. So when I talk about the idea of inbound and outbound circles, most people by their nature build circles of um, inbound, meaning I intend to watch these people's streams at these times. So I'll, I'll switch to home and I will show you the bacon filters circle. So in this is Chris Connolly from Google the uh, rapper 50 Cent, 
I don't know who Rick Weon is. Oh, he works at McDonald's. And this is just stuff from business people who happen to be connected to uh, Google Plus in, in my accounts. And so this allows me to sort of read through what's going on in business people's day. If any of these people happen to be prospects at any particular time, then I can uh, pay attention to that. When I say outbound circles, the opportunity is in organizing circles, you could say, hey, I want to make a circle about marketing, or I want to make a circle about Queensland, or I want to make a circle about you know, my local town. And if you're interested in that sort of thing, just leave your name on this post, and then you can circle those people and then choose to send outbound materials to them. For example, if I'm pitching around for professional speaking uh, opportunities, I will send it to my bacon filter story uh, group instead of everybody because I just sort of like the opportunity to sort of promote myself as a business without bothering or interrupting my friends or anything of that nature. So that's sort of the opportunity there. The one thing I want to um, mention there, and uh, perhaps we'll, now may be a good time or maybe later, I notice that when I kind of do an addition of all the people in your circles, it is not equal to the 60,000 people that are part of your uh, circles, uh, that have you in circles. So there's you in other people's circles, um, something that you don't have choice about, I guess, and then there's who you put in circles. Is that right? That's correct. So what shows publicly is that I have nobody circled, but <clears throat> I'm current, I've currently circled something just under uh, 1,700 people. And the um, when I first jumped on Twitter back in the fall of 06, I believed in reciprocity and that I should circle everybody back or follow everybody back on Twitter. And I found that that's utterly incapable uh, to manage. I, I can't possibly manage it because it means that not only can't I see everyone's tweets, so I might as well see no one's tweets, uh, but it actually starts to corrupt the ability of the Twitter service to send me the content. So when I built myself up here on uh, Google+, I started with the mindset that I just couldn't circle everyone back. Now, I do tend to dip into people's circles who have followed me. I do tend to sort of look around and, and uh, sort of look at their posts and the like, but I don't see them on, on the average day. I don't just necessarily see them rolling by unless they're in my 1600. But there's a, there's a piece of Google Plus called incoming, and that's the people who are shared by people who aren't in my circles, but maybe who have circled me. And so sometimes I go in here to see what other people have come to tell me about you know, their world. And I find that sometimes I'll find somebody interesting and sort of promote them into a circle. And more often than not, I smile politely at their pictures of reindeers and move back to my own circles. Okay, good. All right. I need to pick up the pace here because I could have you here all day. <laughs> uh, and I know it's late where you are. Um, I want to talk about posting in the stream is the name of this chapter. But very quickly, so we've set up our profile. We've decided who we're going to follow. Um, how do we approach the posting and sharing that we do on Google+, Plus, perhaps differently to what we do it elsewhere, in order to drive and build business? So one thing to, one thing to look at is perhaps... Um, in, in posting to Google+, I've been telling business people to consider at least four posts a day. Try to span those out across six hours, and that way you, you're hitting all time zones if your business happens to be international in nature right. or, or not time-bound. Um, I say at least. I, I think some people worry about, you know, that sounds like a lot to them, but posts can be anything. Uh, you know, again, if we sort of look at what Michael Dell has to say in a given day, uh, his posts are all, he's very uh, business-minded. He doesn't just uh, 
he, he pretty much doesn't go off base if he can't help it. Uh, but he will, um, he'll talk about things like, you know, his, his experience with Michael Benioff at Dell World. He'll talk about you know, this lap, this particular laptop he likes uh, that, of course, is a Dell machine. And, and he'll post a lot of business-related stuff. I, I think that one of the goals with content sharing and content building is how do you provide information that's useful to your buyer or your customer? Mm -hmm. how, if you're an association, how do you give them useful things? Now, uh, the Australian Business Women's Network, of course, you'd want to keep highlighting strong women in business. You'd want to find other stuff that has to do with the neighborhood around your, your businesses, to, you know, regulations and political stuff and that sort of thing. And then I think where it kind of becomes fun, too, is seeing a bit of the off-topic side of people. And that's one great thing that Google Plus does well. It shows off you know, people's other side, you know, crazy movies, strange songs, anything like that. And it allows people to interact with that just as much. I shared a, a, a small piece of a, a movie from an Indian movie star. It's a, some crazy science fiction action movie. And for whatever reason, it caught a lot of people's attention, and they shared it over 500 times. Uh, wow. with other people all over Google+, which then netted me almost another 2,000 people circled me uh, because they found me via that video. So next thing you know, I have almost 2,000 more people uh, interested in what I have to say on Google+, who are tentatively prospects for my business, at least, you know, at least uh, on the outskirts of being a prospect just by being, giving me their attention. Right. And we'll talk about numbers uh, in, a, in a little while. What I want to talk about at this stage is selling because, again, I really enjoyed this chapter because firstly it started off by talking about attention being a gift. Tell us about that very quickly and then I'll, I'll ask you a couple of questions about sales. You say attention is a gift. Yeah, I, I mean, we do the strangest things with our, our clients, don't we? we? We tend to think that if we give people the opportunity to, if we as a, as a company earn the attention of a, a customer or a prospect of a customer, and we say, sure, put, put our name down in the newsletter, how do we reward that person? We do it by beating them to death with sales. <laughs> you know, oh, thanks for signing up for my email. Boy, you should buy this. And if not this, try this. This would be great for you to buy. Well, I mean, what's the, what's the value of that? So suddenly you, you push the spam button, even if you opted in in the first place, or you unsubscribe and you wander away. When I say attention is a gift, it's very important to realize that, you know, it costs money to buy attention, uh, but to earn it, it, it works a lot better. So we buy attention when we do things like buy advertisements on television or radio or whatnot. But I don't have to show you the stats to tell you that that's going down dramatically. 70 plus percent of uh, television viewers are using a DVR type technology to, to skip past. Um, as circulation keeps going down 70, 80, 90 percent, you know, your ad in the newspaper doesn't work as well. That's, those are mostly U.S. numbers. I, I don't know exactly in Australia. I would say that they're, they're if, you know, around the neighborhood. Um, and then radio, of course, is faltering at its own and satellite radio has kind of pushed that out of the way a little as well. So then what do you do? How do you find that attention? I, I'd say that you earn it by creating interesting stuff that's useful to your would-be buyer. One of the um, 
aspects of um, keeping that attention, uh, one of the reasons to keep it is ultimately, well not ultimately, one of the reasons could be to sell. And while you, Chris, you're very generous and giving a lot of great free content, you're a businessman. So tell us, how do we not waste opportunities to sell and how do we warm up a person in order to possibly have a sale down the line? Well, so depending on what you're looking to sell, there's sort of different methods to do it. <clears throat> so, for example, in my case, part of what I sell is personality. Part of what I sell is um, the fact that I'm educating people and, and providing them with information they can use for their business. So, in a way, uh, giving a lot of my time freely isn't necessarily always being generous, although I like to think it is. I like to think that I'm, I'm being helpful and, and serving others. Uh, but if you think about it, you know, there's also opportunity around every corner. You, you come away thinking, wow, what a nice guy. He seemed like good stuff. He had a lot of things to say, uh, almost funny. And then that could lead to a prospect for me. And if so, then it could lead to business. So there's a value there. Depending on what you're selling, um, <clears throat> if you're my friend Joe Storage and you're selling hamburgers in uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin at AJ Bombers, then you're posting kind of funny pictures. You're posting interesting things you think are interesting. One of his, um, <laughs> redundant that was, sorry, he posted, uh, his friend Diane Morgan posted two, two green peppers that she'd cut in half and, and made funny faces out of and whatnot. And <laughs> it sort of seems silly immediately, and at the same time you think, well, that's interesting that it catches the attention of a guy who runs restaurants. Um, if you look at some of the details in the photos that he shared, you, you see it from the eyes of somebody who likes to build restaurants to please other people for a living. And that becomes interesting again. So I'd say that um, you know, what he's doing to earn business there is you really come to know the man that owns this business, which is utterly different than, say, you know, your local chippy shop or something where you don't necessarily know the person because all you get to see is a glimpse of them behind the counter. Hmm. When we're looking at growing an audience, and as we saw, you have, uh, there's 60,000 people who have you in circles. You have a very large Twitter following. Um, and... You talk about community, um, you know, uh, so I, my guess is that you honour the people who are in your network as being more than names. Those of us who now have the role of community director, whether we like it or not, because we have a number of people associated with us, what are some of the things we need to be mindful of? So I was just uh, answering this to Desiree Robards in Twitter at the same time, but I would say that engagement comes from interacting and building up your community. When, we, when we're looking for engagement, what we're really trying to do is, when we say that, we're, we actually don't know what we're saying. What we're, what we're saying with engagement is we're looking for attention that we can turn into intention. When we say engagement, we're saying, you know, here's a piece of, uh, here's a worm on a hook, please bite it, fish. And that's not really the goal. The goal is to say, um, here a community who is gathered around me for whatever reason, however tenuous, I'm going to help you and I'm going to grow your capabilities. And when I do this, you're going to come back and go, wow, that was great. I mean, look at this call. This is the same thing. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm giving an example by being here by saying all these great people that I'm starting to meet, like Andrew Moore and everybody on this call, are taking something away that they can bring to their business. Then by helping and growing you, then you all become advocates for me. I mean, if I do this right, you all walk away saying, wow, he seemed like a neat guy. And there's a blog post or two, there's a few tweets, whatever. You circle me on Google and you start sharing some stuff, and this grows. Well, it's the same thing with you. If you're, No matter what you're selling, what your goal is going to be, is your goal is to connect people up into these uh, 
these opportunities that come about. So you, you start, it's, it's, it's almost like an economy of sorts of sharing this attention. There's questions that have come up about, you know, how does it, how does it differ from Facebook? Why is it better than Facebook? Uh, again, the thing to keep remembering is that Google is the number one search engine in the world. 69% of people, I, again, I think that's a U.S. stat, 69% of people go for Google above all in any other search engine. They're actively and heavily indexing the content that is shared on Google+, and they can't in any way index what's shared inside of Facebook, and they can't index what's inside of Twitter. There's some limited sharing going on from some third-party apps, but it doesn't really feed out as well. So one of the bigger opportunities is that not only is your, is your ability to do good community stuff here on Google+, but that content actually still gets shared into Google for search results. So if someone says, I'm looking for, um, I don't know, the best kangaroo costume for Halloween at 50% off today, uh, then what they're, what they're hoping for you know, if that's what you've written into your Google Plus post for your amazing costume company, then you've got a great opportunity. Thank you. This is, um, I can't remember the name of the chapter, but you talk about us being like a magazine publisher. You talked a little earlier about on-topic and off-topic posts, and you even recommend that 80% of the time we're on-topic and 20% we do something a little bit different. Could you tell us what you mean by us being a magazine publisher? Um, yeah, that would be great. Sure. So let's, let's think of uh, any conference we've ever attended, and then let's look at a magazine and, and see where they're similar. And you'll see where this kind of lines up to your business as well. Um, at a conference, the keynote is the same as the person who's the feature in the magazine article. The little side articles are the same as the panels. The advertising is the same as your sponsors at a conference or your, or your exhibitors. And the attendee is the same as the reader or subscriber to a magazine. Now that we've made some of that connection clear, now think about the fact that uh, people who are connecting with you and choosing to see what you share in Google Plus are people who are subscribing to that information that you choose to curate, share, and deliver and develop. So if, for example, let's say you are Richard Branson, Perhaps some folks might know Sir Richard. Um, he's uh, he's quite active on Google Plus, and I and I'm not entirely sure how much of it his is his staff and how much of it's him directly. It seems like a lot of him directly. He posts things including uh, a submarine training on the Virgin Oceanic and diving with great white sharks. He posts. Uh, his opportunities with the elders, which is people like you know Desmond Tutu and the like. Uh, he posts all kinds of meetings. He posts uh, all different kinds of things that have gone on in his experience. This makes him far more compelling than a lot of chair people, and it also gives him a stage where he doesn't have to wait for people to write magazine articles. He doesn't have to wait or, or worry how he's going to be portrayed because he's created the media that he wants to create. So he and his team have created an instant and ongoing magazine that runs live into a space where people are looking for and interested in consuming interesting content. And so the opportunity really just grows from there. Thank you. One of the chapters titled Power Plays talks about some of the best moves business professionals can make to build relationships and to drive their business. I want to ask, because you say there 
are super fast ways to get more people to you know be in your circles or to follow you but there aren't super fast ways really to make millions with Google Plus no matter what scheme you might fall into yours is a much longer term approach and yet you're still so tell us what your power play is what how do you use it ultimately well so first off the thing about fast versus otherwise um, it's amazing how many things aren't fast food it turns out doesn't grow very fast <laughs> Just because I want to uh, eat the food that I put in my garden doesn't mean that I get it until the fall. So uh, most things in life don't take time. I have a nine-year-old daughter, and I would love for her to be 25. Um, I would love for her to skip the next little while. But, uh, <laughs> much as I can't do that, uh, the same is true with building relationships. Um, <laughs> only rarely could you walk up to a bar, find somebody that you thought was kind of attractive, and say, hey, you know what we should do? Let's get married. Um, there's a few skip, skipped steps in there. And so I think that businesses tend to forget this faster than anyone else because on their side of the equation, businesses are saying, uh, we need money, we need money now, mm. do this fast. And so I'd say that <clears throat> my long haul power play is to be the, the considered the go-to person for, for helping share how to, what I call amplify the human digital channel. So that's what my business, Human Business Works does. Every time I present myself and portray myself in any place in the world, if you meet me by myself sitting at a grocery store, if you meet me in Iceland, I'm the same guy. And my goal is get businesses to get back to being human and, 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 and treating us all like humans. I, it's a very uh, selfish goal because I like when I'm a customer, I like to be treated nicely. So I'm just trying to get the whole world to go with me on that. And I figure that if I could show businesses how to make money while they do that for me, then life really turns out better. So my long-term power play is to just have the good majority of the world uh, think, he seems like a nice guy, we should listen a bit more to what he has to say, and then take away the things I've come up with and infect all of your businesses with the idea that they should be human. And one of the things that this chapter does is it looks at the assumed power plays of people who work in the social sector, you know, people who are business leaders, people who are artists. So looking at some of the ways that this can really accelerate movement towards whatever that long-term outcome is. We're getting some great audience questions, so I think at this point um, I'm going to go to those, and then if we have time I'll ask you a couple more here. Um, let me go ahead and start with um, a question from Eleni. She says, many of us link our Facebook page to Twitter. Should we be replicating content? on Google Plus, or try and be different on all of them. If I said how amazingly lovely you looked and that your eyes made me think about the future, and then I turned and I said the same to Susie, <laughs> how would you feel? That's exactly my opinion on when people blast their information across a bunch of platforms. The response back is, but we don't have time. Well, that's wonderful. I don't really have time to say flattering things to every woman. I think I'll just say it once, and you can all pass it around. <laughs> um, it doesn't work. And, and yes, technically it works, but there's a lot of things that work technically that shouldn't. Um, I will think of many fast food restaurants when I say that. So I would say that it's not my recommended choice. My recommended choice is to think of the platform. Uh, 140 characters is very different than what you can share on Facebook. And in 140 characters, you're trying to be engaging and get someone's attention. You can try to respond as well as just post. Whereas Facebook has inline comments. And you should be the number one commenter on everything that you publish. 
if you publish a question or ask something, you should be in there and kind of answering back and forth because it's in that interaction that people then decide to take a, take a step forward and do more with you. One of the questions um, we've had in a couple of different ways from different listeners is about um, whether Google is going to have something equivalent to a business profile. Any insights? I can tell you that I think they're coming soon. I, you know, I don't have much more insight than anyone else. I'm, I'm not fortunate enough to be especially on the inside of Google, but I would say that um, it's something that they've wanted to do since day one, to have the business pages. But what I've been telling people quite repeatedly is if you're waiting around to build a business page to build business on Google+, that's like having a salesperson waiting around to print their business cards before they think they can sell. I would fire someone if that's what they thought they needed as a salesperson. I would say that the, the goal would be to uh, run and do as fast as you can the relationship building part. That's what salespeople do best. That's what business people are supposed to do. You're supposed to build relationships long before you need the sale. Do that with your personal account and then when the business pages show up, be ready for it and be excited and be gracious that there's new features that you could do with it. But don't use that as a crutch. Get in there and make your relationships. And on that then, we're using, while it's a personal profile in Google+, we're still posting as a professional, different to what we might do with our Facebook uh, profile. So we're maintaining that professionalism. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's a different world out there right now. I think that I get this question very often from 20-somethings who say, you know, I've just come out of college. This is quite often a Facebook conversation, but they'll say, you know, there's a lot of pictures of my friends and I doing things that might not be too business positive. And um, I, said, I say often, well, you know, tidy that up just a little, um, but maybe don't seek a job where you can't really be you. Um, I, I tend to feel that the difference between your business profile and your personal profile is really going to merge. And, and I don't say that in the way that you should share all the same content with all those same people, but I would say that the days of thinking you can sort of have a concealed identity are, are waxing a little thin now. This question I, I think we've kind of answered, but Julie may just need some clarification. And she's saying if your content gets indexed, does that mean that you shouldn't have private content or information that you might share with family posted to Google Plus? I should be very clear that anything you share to the public uh, stream, so to speak, and public is one of the types of circles, which means any old person can see it, that gets indexed. If you share to a specific circle, like family or everybody except for Uncle David, then that's okay. <laughs> except for Uncle David, but, <laughs> but he won't know. Um, James has asked, how can a business utilize a Google Plus profile when they don't have a face or personality? For example, we're bricks and mortar. My gosh, you have no face? I feel <laughs> terrible. You should rush away. Um, I, I, so I would, I would be loath to put up a logo in lieu of a face on an avatar anywhere, including when you have your business page, I, <clears throat> with some very small you know, exceptions. I, I think that you know, the nice folks like Nike, perhaps, can really do some interesting stuff, but I, I think that otherwise, you know, the, if you're running the chippy down the street, then you really shouldn't go that route. Um, <clears throat> we're trained since birth to look for faces. It's actually part of our human survival because if you think about it, in birth we look for a face and then we go down about 10 inches or so and look for uh, milk and sustenance. So humans by birth are trained to find eyeballs and mouths so that they know how to orient themselves. So 
using avatars with faces is quite important. Also putting a face on a brand is quite important. Um, I, I've had that conversation recently with franchise professionals. You know, how do you, if there's four or five different petrol stations, how do I pick the one that's going to be right for me uh, in my town? You know, how should I show my loyalty if they're all big franchise brands? And the answer was, well, who's the guy that you've actually seen out at your local grocer? And who's the person that, you know, has come to a town meeting that you've been at? And that's who you'd probably end up spending your time with. I think it's the same on social networks. We, we want to connect with people we feel that are like us and that we feel we would, would like. I mean, my, quite often it's a, who would you go for beer or coffee with? That's who you do business with. Hmm. We're getting quite a few questions on people just not sure about do I do this, as a, is it a personal account, do I register as my business um, and, and that balance. Um, let me just see if I can get a specific one here. You know, people are asking should they also set up a business name as, as an individual on Google Plus? No, it's uh, not no. allowed yet in the terms of service so if you bother doing it they'll just knock it down eventually and uh, some people have said to me, well I got away with it, it's been 12 days and then the next day they tell me, oh, you know, so they just spent all that time making interesting content that went nowhere. Um, it's about the same to me as building your house on a beach but that's just my opinion. Um, Google says hold tight business pages are coming so you might as well wait. It goes back to my point that you might as well be your own human being. Again, we do business with humans. It's the, the companies in here that are representatives. Like I said, my, my big circle uh, of bacon filters, as I like to call them, uh, you know, are, are humans. So uh, there's this person who's the chief architect at Google, and he's sharing New Zealand bride surprises groom with secret wedding. Uh, so that's an interesting story that has nothing to do with Google, but it gives me a sense that, you know, what kind of thing interests him. Um, so I would say that that's what you're looking to do as a business person. You're looking to make real life human being connections before you worry about the other. One of the things that's mentioned a couple of times in your book and relates to some of the questions I'm seeing here is that you talk about Google Plus, just like other networks, being an outpost, that your own website or blog should take priority or seniority. Tell us about that. So um, your, your website is your only real piece of property in the world. It's... Uh, outposts like being on Twitter and Facebook. I mean, a few people are really holding in this in this call to, but I like Facebook and I'm going to stay on Facebook. Well, great, mm -hmm. by all means, stay on Facebook. Here's two things to think about. One is all of these platforms that are not your own site are basically hotel rooms. So you can put posters on the wall uh, of uh, men at work. You can put um, <laughs> you can put shag rugs on the crowd. Now, by the way, I know there's been plenty of Australian bands between now and the eighties. Yeah, in the last twenty-five years. <laughs> yeah, I just went right there. I, you know, Colin Hay. I was a big fan back in the day, and still a fan. Okay. Uh, so no, um, you know, you have all those others in excess and whatever. Um, but you could put those posters on the wall. You could put a shag rug down. You could put uh, your lava lamp up. But it's still not your room. You're still renting. You're renting Facebook. You're renting Google Plus, etc. I saw a cartoon that had a bunch of pigs sitting around going, "This place is great. They feed us all we want, and uh, they're you know we get to wallow in the mud, etc." And the comment said, "If you are not being charged to be here, then you are the product." 
And that's something to think about when you think about being on a site like Facebook and Google+. If it's free, it means they're doing something with you. So for example, they're using all your data to figure out things. And that's why you're there. So the, the outpost and, and uh, home base strategy really quickly is this. Your main site is your home base. You should, the goal there is conversion. The goal there is to do something that moves business forward. Um, outposts are the places where the people are. So people are all over Facebook, 800 million and growing. One in 11 humans on the earth has a Facebook account. So by all means, spend some time there and connect with them there. Go to Google Plus where people are having these great conversations, but interact with them there. Lure them back to the home base every now and again to get business done. Just before we come back to Chris for some closing comments and a big question about search. Um, I want to do a couple of things. I want to make a couple of announcements. But I also want to ask those of you listening to please send Chris the names of some of our great Aussie bands that have been out since NXS because, the, because we have to get him up to speed. We have some great music. So tweet him right on his Google Plus face. Do something. <laughs> we, need, we, need to, uh, we need to get him up to date on some of our great new music. But let's have a look at, at a couple of things I want to mention. Um, the first is probably what we have next month for Book for Lunch. We could just go to the next slide and see what we've got there. Ah, yes, okay. So the 8th of December and our final one for this year is a new book called Launch, How to Quickly Propel Your Business Beyond the Competition. Now in this book uh, we look at content strategy. We talked a little bit about content today and certainly Chris's book has a lot more about you know what sort of content do you create that is most compelling, that builds you as an authority and that helps you get your business goals. Um, in this book launch, the author looks at 10 different varieties of highly what he calls combustible content and how to nurture relationships with influential people. 8th of December, same time, same bat channel as they say. Uh, we hope you'll join us and uh, tickets will be available for that event in the next couple of days. I want to thank uh, GoToWebinar for being our partner in this program. And um, as you're leaving today, you'll get the opportunity to request a free trial. It is a great way to connect with your customers, to do tutorials, to collaborate. Um, and they have a special that's on up until the 15th of November. And we'll put those details in a follow-up email to you as well. And finally, I want to thank Dynamic Business for being a promotional partner for today and helping um, let their readers know about what we're doing. Um, they're offering a one-year subscription for $22 and you can subscribe at the address that you see on your screens which is dynamicbusiness.com.au forward slash subscribe. I want to ask um, about uh, the Google, the whole search power uh, which is really one of the benefits of Google Plus and what did I want to ask about this? We've talked again and again today about uh, the fact that the fact that the posts are indexed is one of the benefits um, of Google+. You talk about social signals. Again, this is a term I haven't heard. Would you tell us a little bit about what that is? So social signals are, for example, when you go to a blog and you see no comments, you go, oh, that's too bad. They must not be a very popular blog. And <laughs> yeah. This is, you know, unfortunately happens to lots of people. And, you know, it's funny, people will come to me and go, wow, you've got 30 and 50 comments on your blog, and that's just, oh, man, I never get that. And I say, you know, but think about this. Out of 200,000 unique visitors a month and 70,000 who get it by RSS feed a day, et cetera, et cetera, by these huge numbers, 30 or 50 comments is nothing. It's less than a percent. And so 
you know, I can't have people come rushing in, you know, out of 60,000 people who now follow me on Google Plus, I just, I guess I crossed 60,000 while we were a little, right before the webinar, uh, 46 people commented on my little post that says, say hi to Australia. Or there's 46 comments and about 12 of them are me. So, you know, these social signals are, you have to really pay attention to take a, to, to understand them. But for example, you know, if I was looking for, you know, some some engagement, people are going to wonder, how, you know, how do you how do you get seen or how do you get seen as somebody that's that's sort of worth connecting? And those are social signals. So, for example, some of the most popular rock bands in Australia, like Jet and the Vines and Silverstone, <laughs> he's good. <laughs> they um, they really definitely spend a lot of time making sure that people you know know who they are and you know know that they matter and they want filled in clubs, etc. And so there's just really a lot of opportunities to um, there's a lot of opportunities to try to look for those signals. So social network sites allow for that. The other thing that happens is you can use social network sites to sort of lead traffic from the, those sites to your site if you've got something interesting. Um, one, two, three, four, five, six posts in a row that I just saw on uh, my Google Plus stream are all people pointing you towards some kind of a website that they think is interesting. So more often even than Twitter are people pointing you towards good stuff. Thank you. I'd like to get uh, some closing comments from you now, Chris, and also have you just very quickly, while we have a couple of minutes, tell us about your book, Trust Agents. It was one of um, our uh, recommended reading uh, for last year, for the year. But um, closing comments and, and a little bit about the book. Sure. So Trust Agents was published in 2009. Trust Agents was written by myself and Julian Smith to talk about how do, it's, it's a lot about what we talked about today. How can we be human on the web? How do we build reputation, earn trust? Um, we were fortunate to hit the New York Times bestseller list as well as the Wall Street Journal bestseller list. I just think it was a slow week. Uh, the book is about how do you make your own game, you know, meaning how do you, how do you create the business that makes sense for you via these new web tools? How do you uh, learn how to become one of us and, and sort of be connected with people, which is what I think Michael Dell does so flawlessly when he's connecting? Um, how do you learn how to um, use leverage and earn leverage from your customers and the like? I would say that all the things that we talked about in that, how to be a better connector, how to build armies, etc., there's a real lot of opportunities to uh, use what's written in Trust Agents on any platform as well as in person. And that's kind of the secret trick that Julian and I came up with was how do we how do we help you sort of be a better business person in general while pretending to talk about social media. So that's what we wrote about. Great. And the new book, of course, uh, Google Plus for Business, is going to be available through Booktopia. We've given them a heads up and they're taking advance orders. And as soon as Chris gets back to uh, rewriting those chapters, which may even be a little <laughs> later today, his time, that'll be available. So I encourage you to uh, place your order. They're going to ship them in from the US as soon as the book's available. And while you're there, I also recommend Trust Agents. As I said, I read it. It's very smartly written. And um, one of the things about us playing in this environment you know, you would have already seen there's lots of, as we like to say in Australia, shonky people. And what um, this book teaches is how to be that authority that people not only like, but also trust. I want to thank you so much for joining us, Chris. Oh, thanks. I had such a pleasure, Susie, and I was so excited to talk to your gang.
Thank you. And um, for all of you, thank you so much for joining us from all parts of the country. Um, I hope you'll join us back here next month. Um, one of the things that our premium members get to enjoy is a whole library of webinars just like this that are available to you on demand. If you'd like to know more about membership as you're leaving today and you get your exit survey question, go ahead and check that box and we'll get you some more information. And in a few hours, we'll send you a link so you can go on back and have a listen to any parts of this webinar that you would like to re revisit. I hope to see you back here um, for the next Book for Lunch webinar and once again from wherever you've joined us, thank you so much for being a part of today's program and thanks again to Chris for joining us. Thank you. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks for joining us for Book for Lunch, interviews with the world's leading business book authors and thinkers. Book for Lunch is presented by the Australian Business Women's Network. For more interviews and details of upcoming Book for Lunch webinars, visit the Australian Business Women's Network website at www.abn.org.au.